0: Hiro, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, John Clayton.
1: Welcome to Schooled with the Professor, John Clayton here, and of course, uh, pleased to be joined by Mike Silver from the NFL Network. And boy, i tell you what, it's like, a, now you've covered the 49ers before getting into the NFL Network and doing all the different things that you've done. And you look at this team right now, the San Francisco 49ers, I mean, they're 7-0. Uh, they have a chance to beat Arizona to be 8-0. and How good is this 49er team compared to the ones that you've seen?
0: You know, I've seen some pretty good ones. I started yeah. covering them in 1989, which turned out to be a pretty good one. Uh, but, yeah, uh, you know, I'm struck by the defense, obviously, um, and and just the realization that they can get a lot better. Um, you know, you've got a quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's still very early on in terms of learning that offense and, and has made a bunch of mistakes and kind of been able to play through it. They've obviously got a lot of balance and, you know, with, with Kyle Shanahan, they're going to be able to run the ball and that's been nice. And then they've got some guys that I was just super excited about seeing that have not gotten on the field because of injury. Jerk McKinnon, who may never end up playing for them. Trent Taylor in the slot was going to be, I think, a revelation this year. You know, the two young receivers, one of whom has been hurt. Um, and so, I I kind of feel like, you know, when the two tackles come back, obviously, and and Kyle, you shook the fullback, uh, and and hopefully Garoppolo grows into it a little bit, there's a lot of upside, too.
1: Well, the thing that I find amazing is that, uh, you know, they they obviously made some of the biggest moves this off season and fixing up the defensive line and really making that good. But this is a team that only added when you started the season 15 new players. Okay, that includes draft choices and all that stuff. And uh, and then you know one of them is Jason Verrett, who's on injured reserve. You know uh, Levine Tololo who's on a, a minimum salary. And yet. You talk about going from worst to first. Now, I know they weren't worst in the NFC West. Arizona was. But they go from the second worst team in football to now one of the best. How does that happen?
0: Well, and remember, they got swept by the Cardinals last year. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, they, they were technically not worse, but yeah. uh, they were pretty bad. And, yeah, and they got uh, – you know, they got Nick Bosa out of it. It worked out well that the Cardinals decided to take Kyler Murray, and Nick Bosa was sitting there too, and that, that turned out to be pretty transcendent for them. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I think that they've, you know, last year they thought they were going to make a jump, and Garoppolo got hurt and it kind of set them back. Um, but really, it's uh, you know, you trade for D Ford, you get Bosa, now all of a sudden off the edge. You're giving them hell, and, and Buckner's all been pretty good on the inside, and Armstead's getting better. So now now you're a force. They got Quan Alexander coming up at ACL. He's given them a lot of punch, and then the secondary's been able to, you know, be opportunistic, and teams are going to have to force the ball when they're under duress. And, uh, you know, really it's uh, – you know, I, I think they've they've kind of been on the verge of that breakthrough, but yeah, to to all of a sudden be seven and zero, and I realize the schedule is backloaded for them, and they're going to play a lot of tough teams down the stretch. And by the way, the NFC is so good that I, I don't even think it's seven and zero and probably 8-0 coming up. That playoffs are guaranteed, uh, given the you know how many good teams there are. But uh, you know, that defense is, seems pretty playoff ready to me, and. Uh, you know they're they're definitely game to game very well coached they they've got a lot of uh you know there are a lot of game specific uh strategic wrinkles that tend to benefit them.
1: Well, the thing that I that amazes me is that I know when I saw him in training camp in 2018, my big thing is a pretty good team, but boy, if injuries start catching up to them, they're in trouble. And sure enough, injuries killed him. I mean, just destroyed him with you know, Garoppolo, McKinnon, and you go down that whole list. All right, so. They make major changes in the training staff and the medical staff and all that stuff. And here they are in midseason, and they've been going pretty much without four starters, no McKinnon back, you know, Varette on the injured reserve list. Yet they've been unstoppable. And not only, you know, I know that they've had, you know, six games again or five games against uh, easy teams, uh, but you know they play good teams and they, you know, beat the Rams for 20 to seven, 51 to three over the Carolina Panthers. It's like. That's just an amazing thing to even fight injuries and be that successful.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, it's a testament to what they have going. And the vibe seems really good. Uh, You know, I know there was a lot of talk uh, when Bosa got drafted about how he'd fit in to that culture, given, you know, some of his political tweets which were not really the san francisco vibe so uh that obviously hasn't been an issue um you know that you've had headstrong guys like richard sherman who you know are, are so important in the locker room and uh you know it, i think he's played a, a really major role in kind of establishing the personality of that defense and uh you know and and jimmy garoppolo uh, again, he's a in that system. He's very raw, but uh, he is uh, you know he's good energy. So I think it's you know I, I think the fast start really helped, but it does seem to be a you know a situation where they got pretty good chemistry. And let's face it, when the number two overall pick of the draft is as good as uh, as good as Nick Post has been so far, it's a. You know, that's a game changer.
1: Yeah, and and that's where I give uh, Kyle Shanahan and uh, John Lynch a lot of credit because, okay, so they uh, trade for D. Ford, and then, you know, they're lucky enough to be able to get uh, Boza, and that goes with all the number one picks that they have in the line. And, oh, by the way, DeForest Buckner's one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league. I mean, they are formidable because they can just rush four and not have to worry about a lot of things.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, so there you go. That's that's pretty much that's a luxury for any team. And, you know, we saw the Giants win a couple of Super Bowls that way. Uh, when you can get there without blitzing and just rush for that's a that's a big, big deal.
1: No question. Now, the, the other thing that I think is, is now if people are starting to give credit to, which I think is appropriate, is Kyle Shanahan. Because, uh, you know, we all talk about how good Sean McVay is, and it's for real. He's a great, great offensive coach. But I don't know if there's anybody in the league that designs a better running formula and a better running plan than Kyle, and clearly he got us from his father, Mike.
0: Yeah, and Mike, you know, Mike was always one of those guys who would try to – Be game plan specific. Take apart every opponent. Isolate what they do and figure out a way to attack that. And so, um, you know, Kyle, uh, what he did for the first two and a half quarters of that Super Bowl three years ago was mind blowing. You know, have you ever seen Bill Belichick's defense taken apart like that? And of course, the Falcons had a twenty-eight to three lead, and we know what happened after that. But. Uh, you know, that was breathtaking. And, uh, yes, Kyle Shanahan, you know, I think. You know, he's had Mike McDaniel there, his run game coordinator. They've been together for 12 years over a variety of stops. They just do such a, an incredible job of marrying the run and the pass and making it look indistinguishable and, and always finding a way to to be productive on the ground. And so, yes, I was, you know, Jarek McKinnon to me was going to be a chess piece more than anything. The guy they could do so many different things with that it would allow them to disguise things even more and, and give them even more options. But, um, you know, they they have just figured out a way to keep teams off balance with that running game. And you saw Luke Kuechly, who was one of the best, just, you know, yelling at teammates. Nobody knew who was going where. Uh, we saw them do that to the Jags two years ago late in the season when the Jags had that great defense, uh, creating all those mismatches on the backside and, and people running the wrong direction. Uh, when it works, it's a sight to behold.
1: Now you've been up here a couple times in Seattle to see the Seahawks uh, thoughts on that team and uh, where do you think it stands in the playoff race, if it is in the playoff race.
0: I think they're very, very legit. They didn't have a great game against the Ravens, but you know, Russell Wilson has obviously elevated his game even more, which is saying something, um, you know, the they've, DK Metcalf has helped that offense. I was really, really excited about Will Disley. That one crushes me because what a, you know, what a revelation he was. But, um, you know, and now they've lost their center. So they do have things to overcome, but I think, you know, the offense is in a pretty good place. Last year they, they tended to just pound you and kind of, you know, have everything go through there. They're a little more varied, it seems like this year. And then defensively, you know, I know the numbers haven't been great, but I, I kind of feel like, that defense will improve um, as the year goes on. And, you know, Russell Wilson to me is the MVP of the first eight weeks of the season for what that's worth. And uh, I-, I think Seattle is very, very much in the mix. And there are more than six playoff caliber teams in the NFC. So just getting in, whichever six get in, that's going to be a struggle. And then once they're in, every game in the NFC playoffs, uh, you know, playoff picture is going to be tough.
1: Oh yeah, and of course what I think is going to be fascinating about uh, the playoff picture is again, I think the stakes are so high that at least maybe one 10-win team is probably not going to make it, and if you can't win 11 or 12, you're not getting a bye week.
0: Well you figure the NFC East one of those teams is getting in, and you figure, uh, you know, at least one NFC North, if not two teams, will get in because Minnesota is very, very legit, and and that's going to be a battle down to the end. Um, you know, three from the NFC West are absolutely playoff worthy because I'm counting the Rams in there, and then you know the Panthers have looked pretty good until last week, and. Uh, you know, the, the uh, Saints may be the best of all. So that's way more than six getting it, you know, who are, who are in that mix. And then uh, you're right, uh, you know, the ones that don't get in are going to be probably on paper better than some of the AFC teams who do.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the unique part, and so much of it is the AFC is so bad that they're feeding the NFC teams. I mean, you you look at the record; I think it's like eight and one with the NFC West going against the AFC North uh, among the three teams that are you know possible playoff teams, and it, it's pretty one sided as far as that goes. And then, of course, what's also interesting—watch what well, you figure the other wild card is going to come out of the the NFC North—is that the NFC North is just beating up the NFC East.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And, you know, I, I think, you know, the Bears have the capability of turning it on. The Lions have been real close in some of their games. So that division is its own issue. And, uh, you know, the Packers, with the way Aaron Rodgers is now getting that offense rolling and, the, and a much improved defense, uh, you know, they're a very, very legitimate threat to. to to go on a run so you know it's exciting for fans but it's stressful for good teams because uh you know no matter how good you are you there's you don't really have room for a a letdown of a few weeks you gotta you gotta keep it rolling
1: oh no doubt about that now i know you've been up here i think you were here for the baltimore game so you saw lamar jackson i know that uh you're heading this week for the nfl network for the new england game with baltimore uh What do you think Bill Belichick has to do to stop Lamar Jackson? Because he's been fantastic.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's easier said than done. But, man, that defense has been, you know, mind-blowing. And, you know, when, when we watched the Super Bowl last February, at the time I thought, this is crazy. Sean McVay's offense is getting shut down, by the way. So is Josh McDaniel's offense. It's a defensive struggle. But, you know, the Patriots had just given up 31 in the second half to Patrick Mahomes, so it seemed, you know, to me it seemed uh, like an anomaly what we were seeing with the Patriots. But, uh, you know, in retrospect, maybe we were seeing the start of something, you know, <laughs> a trend because the defense hasn't given up a whole lot since. Now their schedule is very uh, backloaded. They've got, uh, you know, Starting now, they've got a much tougher games, and yes, Lamar Jackson and that attack is different, and it will be tougher to stop. But uh, you know, they don't seem to be giving up much to anyone, which is pretty scary.
1: <laughs> but that's the thing; it's kind of fortunate you're able to go through the first eight weeks of the season and not have to play a winning team, and not also yeah. you know, you didn't even play a winning team from last year.
0: Yeah, it is. It is weird. I mean, it seems like they play the Dolphins or Jets. Every single week, I know that's not actually true, but uh, you know, it, and I know it's it's a formula, but they they sure have uh, they sure have not been tested
1: yet. What, where do you stand as far as <clears throat> what's going on with officiating? Because that's been you know a, a controversial thing all year long with the changes with the pass interference rules, uh, the holding calls, and that's been up and down. What what, what do you think the game is right now, officiating wise?
0: I, I just you know I, I have a different you know, view of what replay should be. I think officiating is imperfect. And I think, you know, you can't make everything perfect. I strongly uh, object to the idea of calls and especially no calls being that are subjective being found upon review. I realize the Saints Rams no call was an atrocity and you want to avoid that. But um, I, I'm kind of glad it's not being enforced the way we were told it was going to be enforced up until the start of the season. Um, you know, to me, replay is too correct an egregious wrong that is measurable and obvious. Uh, you know, hey, the ball never crossed the goal line there. You were wrong. He actually fumbled at the one-yard line. Okay, well then, you know, I'm pro-replay. But I, I just think, you know, I think there's this sense that we have to slow everything down and make everything – Exact and perfect and, uh, you know, I just don't have that same philosophy. So yeah, there have been officiating mistakes. It's been frustrating. You know, I've seen a couple of plays that should have been returned for touchdowns that were blown dead prematurely. You're frustrated at that, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think it's ever going to be perfect, nor do I think that should be the goal.
1: No, and I agree. I I guess we're both old school like that. Maybe not Mike Brown old school, but old school in the sense (laughs) that, uh, you know, we want less uh, replays and less penalties. And uh, I I still think it's a good group of officials, but I think right now there's there's so much scrutiny that it's just kind of messed everything up.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, to me, of all the things I have to complain about, and there are many, I'm not going to complain about the officiating not being perfect. Personally.
1: No, that's true. Let's talk about some of the disappointments in the league. I mean, Cleveland Browns two and five. You got Baker Mayfield getting in a battle with Tony Grossi on Wednesday you know, for a question that he asked. And then, you know, he basically said on Monday that, you know, the team is uh, on a, is not being accountable. They are not. Uh, some players aren't working hard enough. I mean, you know, I know that there was a lot of talk coming from that team in the off season, but it seems so far as a team, it's been all talk and not enough uh, you know execution.
0: I'm sorry, John. I lost you for a second. Tell me, ask me that again.
1: Okay. Yeah. So it's like uh, I know that uh, we're getting into some of the dis- disappointing things here in the season. And Baker Mayfield, you know, gets into a oh, yeah. little screaming match with Tony Grossi over a question. He basically, you know, said that the team is unaccountable right now. It's, uh, you know, not focused. And it's like, you know, kind of shots almost like it at the coach. But uh, you know, what do you see? Uh, what happened to the Browns? Because it seems like it was all talk in the off season, Not enough execution in the regular season.
0: Yeah, and I'm one of those people who bought in, you know, incredibly on the Browns because I there is so much talent there and Baker Mayfield did some really good things his rookie year. Um, you know, he also was pretty immature as a rookie and was not checked by anyone in that organization, including Freddie Kitchens, who ultimately got the job in my belief, because partly because at least they thought that's what Baker Mayfield would like. And uh, you know, listen, when you are uh you know when you're when you come in the league and it's going well, you you want to be the guy you know conspicuously taunting your uh, former coach who was recently fired tw- twice from the sidelines, and everybody tells you it's awesome and you're great. Then you know there's a different level of uh, you know th- there's a different level of comfort than when you are playing pretty bad, turning it over a lot. Your team is vastly. Uh, underperforming expectations and now you have to answer questions in the locker room so yeah uh you know you can people thought he was uh you know the new brett Favre. uh you know less than a year ago and now he's seeming like ryan leaf i I think the answer is somewhere in between he's uh he's a really good player they've got a lot of talent and uh you know i like his edge and his leadership abilities and uh, you know, and all that, but I was one of the people banging on him last year when uh, the rest of the world thought it was endearing, and now I think some of the people out there are starting to see some of the things I was seeing.
1: Yeah, which of course, uh, not the positive things, but it's always positive seeing you talking to you, and of course, watch you on the NFL Network. And uh, Mike Silver, thanks for joining us on Schooled with the Professor.
0: All right, John, it's been an up, my utmost pleasure, and I can't wait to see you